Greetings programs, welcome to Animatronic, the podcast talking about episodes of Disney's animated television show, Tron Uprising. My name is Duncan Shields, host of Tronologically Speaking, the movie-by-minute podcast talking about 1982's movie, Tron. And I'm Courtney Coulson, reviewing Tron Legacy one minute at a time on Legacy Minute. Episode 8. Fantastic. So we're both here taking on the bridge between the two, or the, the glue between the two. Jeff Bridge. Just... Oh, yeah. geez. The Jeff Bridge <laughs> between the two. Yes. It's too bad. The short-lived, but very well done animated series. I am falling in love with the show all over again. I, yeah. I, I mean, I've seen it. This is the third time I've watched it. and I just find more and more things that I love about it. Yeah, I really enjoyed watching it the first time, but I'm, in, I'm enjoying it like even more going through it this second time with like a really close microscope on it. I'm like, gosh, oh, it's just all still so great. I just yes. love it. Oh, come on, Disney Plus. Just come give on. us another season. You can do it. You need content. You can do it. Yes. Let's, yeah, let's start a petition or something. Spread the word, yeah. guys. Yeah, why can't you be more like Netflix and say, I have an idea. Great, here's $15 million. No, yes. I, I haven't even told you my idea yet. <laughs> <laughs> I think Netflix has offered me a series deal probably at this point. Uh-huh. Yeah, right. Uh, so, so this episode is called The Reward. Beck Snydoff is ruined when the occupation arrests an innocent program. Dun, dun, dun. Not again. Yeah, which sounds like just a typical night for Beck, to, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. Dang it, another innocent program arrested. So we get a recap so far with a surprisingly sarcastic voiceover. She's uh, like, Tesla continues to bring peace to Argonne City. Mm. Tesla's fondness for the renegade continues. I'm like, you're being awfully sarcastic, recap voice. <laughs> Do you remember in Interstellar with, uh, I think his name was Taz, the Oh, the robot. yeah. I was like, can we turn the sarcasm down like to 60%? <laughs> yeah. He's like, yep, sure thing. Dials it down. That was a cool robot. I like that robot. Love that design, yeah. Oh, I did have some trouble figuring out who was speaking because it did have Didn't a have perfectly a human voice. Yeah. It did, yes. I had a, well, I had a perfectly human voice. So occasionally I was like, so if nobody was facing the camera, I was like, so who's, is that Tars? Is, okay, needed who's a sound wave voice. Yeah, it needed these. And now I'm like, oh, now I know why they have robots talk like that, you know, so. Yeah. So we open on a very Blade Runner shot of Tesla's eye looking out over Argon from his really red bridge on his giant, uh, giant ship there. And he's alone in this palatial waxed floor mansion. And he hears a, a, a D-res sound off cam and looks behind him. And then a disc rolls out onto the floor. And half of a guard crawls toward Tesla, begging for help, before he gets stepped on by the renegade who says, I'm reclaiming Argon. And then Tesla fires up his fists to deal with a laughing renegade who easily evades his fists by floating out of the way. He's it reminds of just... me of uh, uh, the the sort of what are they called the the nightmare scenes in the batman games with scarecrow yeah Especially with yeah Rache that's right Ross. in the uh yeah arkham asylum that that was a good game that was a really good so game. good risky uh but he uh beck gets the upper hand putting his disc to tesla's throat and forcing a screaming tesla to watch as the whole of argon city turns blue his worst nightmare all of argon city turning blue Sort no, of like not what blue. I, uh, not blue. Oh no! 
it's so i guess this is what it must have been like to be in a city on the grid at the end of the 1982's tron when everything was like firing up and all the red was being washed out in favor of well i was actually just lots of different colors it wasn't just blue but the the beams all turned blue anyway Find interesting how so this is a nightmare that we we, we soon figured that out. Yes, it was and all a dream. How you create horror within this world that is so far removed from anything that we would understand. You know, it's this pure, clean techno world. Whereas horror tends to come from the biological; it comes from the grotesque. So sure. you know, severing a program in half is is probably the best you can do yeah it's not like like it still comes across but there's one remove you know when you see half a program crawling you're like oh those are cool little cubes coming out of them i guess those are kind of like guts but if it was like an actual half a person you'd be like oh dear lord way more terrible <laughs> yeah uh this comes up a lot in transformers sorry i'm going to talk about transformers but this is relevant um yeah in the first transform the, the animated movie you know i am still haunted by the image of prowl one of my favorite transformers just smoke coming out of his mouth and then he dies right so it's this there's a there's ways around it and the other one is how other characters react. So, I mean, that's happening here. Tesla's yeah, freaked out by yeah. it. Um, in Transformers Prime, Bulkhead's fighting a Decepticon. He tells this little girl, Miko, look away, Miko. You don't want to see this. And she's <laughs> like, why? And he, like, punches right into the Decepticon's chest, pulls out his spark, and she's just like, oh, I can't swear. Oh, it's so cool. And then, uh, yeah, he, he's just like, all right, because you're not. An, an autobot that doesn't seem disturbing to you i guess no. I, nice little cultural difference there i like that well yeah it's like the the droids in star wars you know like they are not really there's they're sentient but they're still treated like toasters like you can like or when you rip an arm off of one you know oil will spray everywhere or something some of the scenes where they're basically torturing those droids i, I felt for a man it gets pretty yeah. intense it does it gets super intense but uh, so, yeah, it was dream. The uh, Tesla was in something. The subtitle said slate mode, uh, but yeah. it also sa- sounded like he was uh, sleep mode. But he's just he's just hanging upside down by some cables recharging or whatever the program equivalent of sleeping. Yeah, I wonder is. how often they have to sleep and they can dream and have nightmares, which I guess makes sense. If you've got a brain, you're thinking you've got imagination. Yeah, I guess so. But you think like when you turn off an appliance, does it have another life? You know, like it's, I don't know. It's cool. That it's mo- cool. That's, a, that's the next Pixar movie. Yes. Toaster Inside dreams. out, but Wally. Yeah, I'm into it. I like it. Who owns the oh, Brave man. Little Toaster now? Just buy it, Pixar. Yeah, that'd be great. I want to see some uh, the inner workings of a, of a toaster brain. It'd be really cool. <laughs> I would love to see a Tron Uprising horror episode specifically. Just how would they do that? And yeah. Oh, well, I want to see, well, just a Halloween episode, right? Where they yeah. actually have costumes where they like, they, 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 they can make themselves costumes. They spend yeah. the, the, the previous month, like, you know, throwing together costumes and then, and then showing them off in some kind of grand ball, some kind of Rio carnival in the middle of the, of Argon city. I would love oh to see that. <laughs> I would love to see that. Oh man. One day, one day mm. again, get on at Disney. We want to see more. 
I don't know. Beck losing his memory was probably the scariest thing so far. That was really, yeah, that was really scary. And I suppose you could have zombie programs who have lost their oh. discs. Yeah, yeah, we don't. Right. We've never seen a stray. We, I don't think. Yeah, no, we didn't. They, they talk about strays, but we never see them. So they were, or we haven't seen one yet. Maybe we'll see one later, but I, I, I don't, I don't think we do. It's my third time watching it. So you think I'd know, but no, I can't. You think, remember. right? I'm still, I'm still just watching it as they come. So it's kind of cool. I'm not sure what. Clearly, uh, I'm a stray. My memory is just <laughs> not with me. Yeah. So okay, Tesla tells. So Tesla is furious. He wakes up. He's freaking out. He tells Paige and Pavel that he needs the renegade now. But that failure no is longer, no longer an option. The failure is no longer an option, and he no longer trusts Pavel or Paige to do it. And and he says, "Get everyone to the Coliseum right now." I'm going to get the populace to do it. And uh, the way he does it is hilarious to me. He somehow gets the whole population into the arena in the middle of Argonne City in like half an hour. I don't know. Uh, and he says that as a reward... Programs are much more organized than humans. Uh, yeah. And maybe they can transport or take a, take a data beam or something. But uh, he says that as a reward for anyone who captures the Renegade, he's got a VL1 Night Splicer sports car. <laughs> hmm. And it's complete with three sort of gem showcase programs in a spotlight in the middle of the arena. And it's the only roadster to outrun a light jet. So pretty pretty nice looking car, but it's sort of like a Batman beyond Batmobile or whatever. I feel a little bit like a Corvette Stingray. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Or like, uh, like it belongs on a speed racer track. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Stingray, yeah. but speed racer, yes. Yeah, and uh, and not only that, but he's going to lift the curfew so that they can uh, hunt down the renegade for him. And everybody applauds, and everybody's into it, and uh, that's 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 his grand plan. <laughs> it's like first first place is a brand new car, <clears throat> second place, a brand new set of steak knives, <laughs> third place is you're fired. Like I don't know. We'll spare you. That's yeah. That's your yeah. old You don't die. Yeah. Uh, um. If I feel like modern car designs just don't match up to the old ones, you know, seventies, eighties. I was uh, actually watching a clip of Knight Rider before this. Yeah. Because uh, I found out that Peter Cullen did a voice on it. I didn't realize that. But I was oh. watching a clip and just going, "Damn, old Trans Ams and stuff, so sexy. What do we got nowadays? Just really safe, aerodynamic crap." Why would we want this? I like that. Pardon me. I like that safety is first and foremost, but I don't like that. Uh, I'm with you on the on the whole like the boldness of design. Mm. Really seems to be missing. I think when you take crumple zones and wind tunnels into effect, everything ends up kind of homogenous just because of physics. You know, <laughs> physics. Physics. The boss of me. Ah, physics. Right. So. <laughs> No, I'm with you. But I saw this fantastic YouTube video once of like a crash test between a really tiny 19 or like 2001 Honda Civic and like a 1958 uh, Lincoln, you know, Pontiac Parisian or something like that. Just a actually, giant... I will give it credit. The some of the Honda Civics are actually quite nice. So <laughs> sure, I mean it was a it was a small modern car versus two mm. tons of metal from back in the day and mm. they did a crash test and you'd think that the big car would absolutely disintegrate the little car but the little car uh has got those crumple zones right that that's, that's, oh. that's all these safety features so it like it did completely disintegrate the front 
but it absorbed all the impact and then the airbags went off and then the actual driver's compartment or whatever was fairly pristine but oh wow i gotta see that the impact sent like half of the engine block and the steering wheel back through the the seat of uh of the 19 of the 1960 pontiac parisienne or whatever the giant car so you sort of see in that clip that like you know the safety on the old cars was non-existent just because it was two tons of glass and metal did not mean anything when it comes to those kind of forces in an impact so it's, it's a really cool clip yeah uh that was a pretty severe car accident outside of my place recently and yeah. it was so there's one car and the driver just i don't know we don't know this particulars but the car spun out of control and she hit two parked cars uh all modern cars medium small cars and i mean there was a lot of of, of damage but everything was still mostly intact that it oh, wasn't good. as bad given the amount of force that the cars were hit with you know yeah. no one was injured that severely like some concussions and stuff but that was it yeah well, that's the thing, right? That's the thing. So it's it's. I'm glad for that. So if if mm. the, if the price for that is that all cars kind of look the sim the same, then well, I guess that's a, a a small price to pay. But I I I'm with you on, yeah. Where's your Lamborghinis? Where's your like? I guess if you go upper end like Bugattis and and Ferraris and stuff, you still get some pretty bold design. But yeah, so it's I possible. It's possible, guys. Come on, I, we can I, do I it. haven't seen one in a long time. That's just made me go. Ooh, wow. Like a, I haven't really seen one of those yes. in quite a while, so we'll see. Anyway, Tron and Beck are watching this hilarious prices right spectacle from uh yes. like, you know, literally the top of the of the stadium somewhere. Security doesn't seem to be that great. I mean, they're they're like uh I guess they're somewhat ninja esque and they've got Batmaning it. Yeah. They're Batmaning it. Right. They're just hanging out watching it all happen and nobody's like, uh they're right there but uh beck says they should hang back for a bit and tron says yeah you uh you're probably right let's uh let's chill let's chill for a bit yeah he's actually deferring to beck's uh, opinions here yeah kind of a, a first i think maybe in this uh in this series Mer uh, which we'll see that quickly change in the next few episodes but for yes. now uh yeah definitely so we see, uh, and it cuts to a sleeping program, a really nice, well-designed, amazing, well-done <laughs> character sleeping, gets woken up, they crash into his apartment and they drag him out and he gets ratted on by a smirking this neighbor. This is hilarious. As such a, I love this, this little tableau here because this neighbor's like, yeah, that's the renegade right there. Yeah, uh, uh. And so they drag away that person. And then the smirking neighbor gets accused of being the renegade by a different neighbor and he's like what no and then he gets dragged off and i'm like this is such a good illustration of the problem with these kinds of things like whenever you want to rat something out in your populace inevitably the populace is just going to use it to bring up to settle old grudges and also never ask uh, a, a wider audience for their opinion because we got Bodie Mac Boatface, you know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's uh, that's uh, another fantastic point. <laughs> like, <laughs> we're not, uh, as, as, they, as they say in, in, in Men in Black, a, uh, a person is smart, but people are stupid panicky animals <laughs> absolutely <laughs> it's, a, it's a true fact so uh outside 
Bartik and Hopper, our two friends Bartik and Hopper, are talking about, great, now they have another 90 renegades to interview. Uh, and so, you know, what is it? Uh, yeah, and then Pavel like says, hey, buddy, are you complaining? He's like, no, 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 I'm not complaining. But Paige warns him off. Uh, saying that um, she hated the idea too. But Pavel, in a pretty like Pavel in a pretty perceptive turn of events here, he says, if this does work and they do find the renegade, then he and Paige will be the first to be replaced by Tesla. Mm. So he's a he's he's a paranoid guy, but he's watching his back. And it's interesting because most lackeys that I've seen in shows like this would be pining for a reward, right? They'd be mm. like, oh, if I if we find the renegade, then I'm going to be Tesla's right hand man. And then there'll be like a, a, a turnaround and a betrayal. But Pavel's got it figured from the start. He's like, Tesla doesn't care about us. Yeah. Right. If once the renegade is found, especially if this little thing works and it wasn't our fault, we're toast. And I was like, wow, that's really. Uh, huh. I thought that was really perceptive of him. Yeah, I mean, especially for villains in family or kids entertainment, generally yeah. the plans are not that complex. It's like, you know, Skeletor, Megatron, all of that. They're just they're just bad guys because you don't need a reason and the plans are ridiculous and don't make sense. But yeah, uh, Tron Uprising definitely went above and beyond. It kind of reminds me of Avatar in that sense where I mean, even the villains aren't really villains, or most of them aren't really villains. Yeah. They They think they're right from their own point of view yeah and they've got their own people to protect and their own issues going on or whatever and yeah i like it when a when a show does that it's i mean Speak- uh, uh, cartoon cartoon legions of bad guys are uh fun mm. but it's nice to have some depth too sometimes a skeletor is is, is a good good time you know exactly put that on a t-shirt sometimes a skeletor is a good time <laughs> <laughs> Uh, speaking of Avatar, though, I've been looking closely at how they design the background characters, the extras, and honestly, even though those shows are so beautifully animated and there's a lot of attention to detail, I don't find those extras to have as much diversity or to be as memorable in terms of appearance as the extras in Tron Uprising. Yeah. No, I'm continually amazed by the crowd shots. Yeah. I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they do it. That's a lot of effort that goes into something like that. They and, and it to some extent, uh, well, I notice and you notice, and I'm sure lots of other viewers noticed, but they didn't have to do that. Mm. I think you're forgiving of a crowd shot in an animated feature. If you're like, if it's just circles on sticks, you're like, okay, I get it. Yeah. Oh they, god, even some of Disney's, well, they say best films, you know, the ones from the Renaissance. Yeah. They, oh my god, the crowd scenes in Hunchback of Notre Dame. Oh, oof. Or, uh, what was the other? Beauty and the Beast. Those are the two ones I watched recently. Background characters are just, look like thumbs. <laughs> yeah, sure, right, sure. Thumbs with you know, ice. You're like, yep, fair. So anyway, we cut to a, a chopper landing pad and Zed, Mara, and Beck are hanging out. Zed's being a bit of a jerk to Beck, but Mara's trying to talk them into celebrating the lack of curfew even mm. though programs are being literally hunted down in the background around them. Uh, <laughs> she must like really want to party. She must have not been to a club in quite a while. But yeah. Beck, event, uh, Beck eventually agrees, which struck me as a little cold 
considering people are literally being rounded up and possibly tortured in his name by the hundreds as they speak. But he's like, yeah, sure, let's go to the club. Man, <laughs> Beck and Mara, both of them, gosh, they're cold. Yeah, right? There's, there's Sometimes there's aspects of when the trio's together and, uh, yeah, and Zed's pulling his uh, Mara doesn't like me nonsense and Mara's like, let's go party. And Beck's like, yeah. I'm like, uh, do I like any of you? I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure I like any of you right now. Absolute but, sociopaths. Yeah, yeah. I so, know. I guess uh, they're programs. Maybe things are different. I mean, there's no such thing as human rights violations if you're not a human, right? <laughs> fair enough, right? And maybe they're like, "Hey, the world's ending. You know, let's dance," which is yep. fair enough too. So we cut to this uh, another fantastic, beautifully well-designed individual program. This weedy program, all by himself, with the Night Splicer sports car. I don't know how he got in there. I don't know what he's doing in the center of the I love arena. Sidious. He's so good. He's so good. And then he's like, he's say, he's talking to the car. He's like, if you were mine, I'd polish you every night. It's like, okay, I get it. Jeez. But this guy. Uh, and uh, his name is Link and he's voiced by David Arquette. Oh, that's who David Arquette. Okay, because okay, I saw his name at the beginning, but I wasn't sure. Who yeah, he was. I could not pick his voice. Excellent. 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 That's really cool. And this guy, I think, also is a mechanic. I'm yeah, sure. I think he's he's supposed to be one of uh, Beck's co-workers, although I yeah, don't recall seeing yeah. him before. And then uh, Pavel appears like Morpheus. He just yes. like, what if I had told you I could make your dream a reality? <laughs> right. <laughs> and he's well, like, okay. welcome then... to the desert of the real. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, that's how he would say it, I think. He says, I have information that will lead to the capture, but I can't do it. Only a regular program like you can. And yes. I'm like, well, what is going on? And then uh, back at the club, it's just the whole crowd is red programs looking like that uh, RoboCop reboot. You know, they've all got the visors on and Beck gets lippy. Don't, with don't remind me of the freaking RoboCop reboot. No, I've had I, to review I, that from it, my other It never podcasts. happened. It never yeah. happened. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Beck gets lippy with one of them and then Mara's like so much for old times but then Pavel walks in with a crew and Pavel arrests Hopper on the false testimony of Link right there in the club takes his discs and I'm like what what the heck is Pavel's game here this is so bizarre but uh, yeah Beck initially went well if you take his disc then doesn't oh I see (laughs) Yeah, he's going to be astray pretty soon if you take his disc. So I guess that really, you know, you're like, give me back my disc. It's like, well, follow me to the prison and I'll give you back your disc. My favorite part of this is Bartik's reaction. God damn it. I could have gotten the reward. Why did I do it? (laughs) This guy has no uh, cognitive faculties. (laughs) You know, he's just like, what? He's he's like, I feel so betrayed. And then he's like, I could have had that reward. I'm like, wow, these guys are really close friends. That's... uh... Yeah. Oh, well. He doesn't come back in this episode, but he just runs off. He's like, oh, I need hair all of a sudden. I don't I don't know what that was about. No, it's sudden and it's really intense. And you're like, but so, okay, what was that about? I wonder. Maybe there yeah, was something. I thought that was going that... somewhere. Yeah, it really seemed to be going somewhere. But yeah, Beck recognizes Link from the garage because apparently they're both mechanics there but you you were saying earlier do you remember because like, i don't remember this guy do you remember this guy i feel like i've uh what do you call it uh, mandela affected myself into thinking that i must have seen him before but i don't <laughs> think i have 
No, I wonder, because it's kind of like, maybe he's too good at being ordinary, you know, because he's supposed to be like an ordinary program. And just maybe thinking, he's... in this world where everyone has a really distinct design, the mundane guy would actually really stand out. Yeah. Right. He's so generic. Yeah, for sure. You look like everybody. What is with you? <laughs> so, I don't know. I really hope that Link isn't going to get killed soon because he's he's uh, he's a really cool character. I don't know but enough then, about Legend of Zelda to make a Link joke. Ah, so. uh, yes, that's right. But Link is like at least Web Link. There's a there's a there's a uh, sort of a, a computer connection there. Yes. So Mara and Zed tell Paige that they can prove that Hopper isn't the Renegade because they literally saw the Renegade and Hopper in the same room at that big fight at Abel's garage. And uh, so then we, uh, and then Paige is like, oh, okay, well, come with me then. And then we cut to a woman program named Gorn. She's awesome. Uh, I she's love her. So she's like awesome. selling out a Blade Runner and she's got this very husky, deep voice and it's great. Yeah, uh, which is such a surprise because she's, she's got the eye, like this Borg eye implant going on and she's doctoring something. And you That can is what the a... Borg Queen should have looked like. Yeah, and we can hear Gorn Hopper's... for Borg Queen. Hopper is saying, like, great, 90 more renegades to interrogate. So she's like, uh, she's doctoring something to do with that recording or that voice, and Pavel's pushing her. But yeah, when she speaks, she doesn't look like an old lady, but when she speaks, she's got this, like, I am working on it. Like, she's got this fantastic. Kind of, uh, oh, God, what's her name? It's Catherine Janeway in Voyager. Kind of that real husky. Yeah, uh, yeah. Girl who plays, the woman who plays Janeway, and also kind of like, Kate Mulgrew. Kate Mulgrew, that was it. And The Expanse. Oh, the... yes. Uh, I keep referencing her, but I never know her name. But that's an uh, Iranian actress who just smokes 900 packets of cigarettes <laughs> a day. Yeah. She's so good. And then she uh, pushes the recording to say, Tesla, come and get me. You're pathetic. And Pavel's like, oh, good. So they're, they're manufacturing evidence to frame Hopper. She's Thought crimes. Thought crimes. So Hopper gets brought before Tesla with the highly doctored evidence and the testimony of Link. Hopper begs for mercy, but Tesla is pretty let down because he sees immediately that this whiny coward is no renegade, which also apparently works great for Pavel's plan. Oh, God, you know like, what I just realized? That we're almost in this reality, you know, with the deep fakes and everything. It's getting to yeah. a point where, I, you know, I've listened to interviews with specialists and they're going, you know, right now, if you showed me a photoshopped image, I can tell you where, you know, the the pixels have kind of been blurred together. They've obviously been altered. But when it comes to deep fakes and um, uh, AI voices and stuff like that, it the, the line is, is getting slimmer and slimmer between reality yeah. and fantasy. Yeah. Like I've seen some bad deep fakes where mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, that didn't work. That's not working, especially when they go to profile or something like that. That's when it starts to get a little ropey. But yeah, I've seen some deep fakes where I'm like, uh oh, I can't tell. The Ooh. clue one is is one of my favorites. Oh, there's a couple on YouTube, but I think the one sitting at the top is uh, I've watched that so many times. Because I'm just like, okay, so Disney. I mean, it was ten years ago, but they put millions of dollars into making a CGI Jeff Bridges, and then some dude. Yeah. Just a very nice computer and a couple of hours just made a better one. Yeah, it's a shame, but it bodes well for the future. So that's good. Yes. I mean, in terms of entertainment anyway, in terms of like journalism, it's terrifying. But I don't, yeah. 
We'll see. Yeah, uh, we'll see. How we're all going to be blamed for being the renegade one day. There's a new uh, YouTube program out by Matt Stone and Trey Parker called Sassy Justice, <laughs> and it's this portly guy in a uh, 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 a blonde wig, like a really five dollar blonde wig, and yes. it's Donald Trump. <laughs> It's Donald Trump. They've deep faked it to be Donald Trump, but he's a character called Sassy Justice, and he's a reporter for this small town, and he's going to get to the bottom of what's going on. And uh, it's like really well done. Like it looked, I thought it was a like a Trump impersonator at first. And then I was like, after like four or five scenes, I was like, oh, this is a deep fake. Oh, amazing! Yeah, looking at it now, right? So I was like, wow, this is okay. And obviously, I'm like, that guy looks a lot like Trump. Oh, my God, it's a deep fake. So anyway, we cut to Link, and he's cruising around in the night splicer like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> he's got the sunglasses, and it's like, Whoa. Oh, yeah. He's like <laughs> hanging out the side of his own ride. Passerbys are giving him like the props. Randos on the street are like, well done. Good job, Link. Sweet car. And he's like, oh, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, you know it. This and is then, truly Link's Corvette summer. Man, <laughs> but... he, he adjusts the rear view mirror. And guess what? He gets batman He gets batman The Renegade <laughs> is in the back seat of the car. So Nice job uh, catching the Renegade. <laughs> nice job. Nice job. And then so Link tells the Renegade that it was all Pavel's ID. Please don't kill me. <laughs> and uh, that's what... That's what happens there. So he gets caught. So back in the palace, Paige is grilling Pavel about exactly what his game is because she thinks that Pavel is trying to make Tesla look bad in front of Clue to get Clue to replace Tesla with Pavel. That's a pretty uh, wild plan. Mm. Um, and then Paige reveals that Zed and Mara, or she actually reveals Zed and Mara. They're in her apartment or wherever they are right now. And they, they say it's they really know hard to sell the geography of the what well, the, the the villain locations is just it, yeah it, it is on the ship They're i just guess it, in a room i think it's yeah i think it's on the big murder barge i don't know it's the same problem with star wars when it comes to uh well actually all of them really when it comes to the empire or the first order or whatever it's just these identical black rooms yeah lit from the walls with the little light panels like i don't it could be anywhere is this a bedroom is this a living room i don't know we have no frame of reference when you get a sort of homogenous evil lair then yeah it can be like so where are we exactly what's going on whereas well so the other thing i'm reviewing is robocop and obviously that's set very much in the real world so oh okay i know this is this is bob morton's house or this is the boardroom yeah. or this is we have some frame of reference but i think it's very easy in science fiction settings to lose us because, well, you know, a program doesn't need a bed, so there's no bedroom. So yeah, 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 yeah. So where, where they're in a room with a counter. Okay. Yes. Where could that? Very be? helpful. So, and then we get a total threes company situation here, where Tesla and four guards decide to stop by. They're like, "Hey, Pavel, could you tell me where those?" report what is happening in here and then uh there's uh because there's Paige and there's pavel and there's zed and there's mara and they're all facing off and there's tension in the room 
and test. I love the way this is, is filmed because it's a li- it goes a little fisheye y and yeah. uh, like Pavel gets closer to Tesla and then Paige pushes him out of the way and just yeah, I love this. There's just little little choreography stuff I love. Yeah, and it's kind of a kind of a Tarantino y scene. The stakes are high, the tension's high, you've got a bunch of characters in a room. You honestly don't really know how this is gonna go. <laughs> You're kinda like mm. so hmm, how's this gonna unfold? Uh, so, but Mara and Zed argue that Hopper is innocent, and Mara is so passionate that she accidentally touches Tesla. Oh, how dare! Is, uh, oh boy, the whole room goes. <laughs> oh no! Everybody really sharp intake of breath from everybody in the room, so that's a big no-no. So Tesla arrests the two of them, and they get thrown in with Hopper, and he tells them that they're all going to get strung up, which uh, seems to be a method of edu- uh, execution that's going to happen in the main square yeah i found that really bizarre because it's uh what do you call it actually i did i think i wrote a note on it uh where, where are too many notes i've lost <laughs> oh yeah um the, the torture rack it's basically yeah. a futuristic version of that which is an interrogation technique it's not for execution because boy if you wanted to kill someone by stretching them out that's that is a long and slow and painful scenario. Well, it's also, well, the thing that they've got the light bikes. So, so what happens is they've got Zed and Mara and Hopper, all of their wrists are tied together and they're sort of laid down in a triangle with their feet facing away from the center. And then they have ropes tied to their ankles and they're all handcuffed to each other. And then there's some light bikes that have ropes attached to the back of them and they're going to fly off and once they hit their limit their the ropes are going to go taut and they're going to tear all three of them apart seems to be the method pretty pretty gruesome oh you can do that in a cartoon because they're not people yeah yeah because they're programs that's one uh, i guess that's one plus to this is you can get pretty graphic with the programs but you don't have to worry about ratings for blood and stuff like that but they've got uh it's it's like being drawn and quartered in the old days that's what it reminded me of yeah because initially i thought is that yeah that's that's hung drawn and quartered but uh that is where you are dragged along behind a horse and then your uh i think castration is is part of it and then they hang you and then they do something else and then yeah so it's not quite the same thing it's more torture oh okay because i thought i've i've learned a lot about medieval torture because of Disney's Tron uprising, I guess. Right? I thought that you they hung you first and then they scored you around the waist and scored you down the center of your body, like deeply with a well, like mm. they, they they cut all your skin in quadrants so that you're easier to rip apart. And then they attached a horse to each limb and send the horses off in opposite directions. Yeah. So it tore yeah, is that a different one? Yeah, because uh, according to Wikipedia, oh yeah, doing my research on the fly. I mean, I did already read this, and then I forgot. Uh, the convicted traitor was fastened to a hurdle or wooden panel and drawn by horse to the place of execution, where he was then hanged almost to the point of death, emasculated, disemboweled, beheaded, and quartered, chopped into four pieces. Oh, His okay. remains would then often be displayed in prominent places around the country, kind of like Game of Thrones. Apparently, they do it, did it on London Bridge. Just. Yeah, Ned Stark's head, London Bridge. Weird thought. Pretty intense. Things were intense. Things were pretty intense back then. Humans, you so crazy. That's right. 
make Britain great again, right? <laughs> I, I think if aliens came to Earth and you're like, oh, humans, they're so cute, love them. Oh, uh, yeah, just don't don't look at our history further back. Yeah, then. yeah, for I sure. don't know, 50 years maybe. Uh, we've been when pretty do they good. stop doing lobotomies? For the last little while, we've been all right. We've been very so, well behaved. I'm quite proud of us, relatively speaking. Relatively speaking. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, meanwhile, Beck is hatching a complicated plan with a not-too-bright Link. Uh, Link is, I, Link kind of reminds me of, I guess, uh, what's-his-face from Psycho? Norman Bates. Little, little, oh, little, little Norman Batesy, Just a uh, little yeah. bit. Not yeah, a lot. Vibe, yeah. But Link is to drive the Night Splicer up to Hopper's execution, at which point Beck will club Link and then reveal himself as the true renegade, revealing hopper's innocence because they can't be in the same place at the same time and you know, i link, love that he does not understand <laughs> yeah link's like so you drive the car he's like no no you drive the car and he's like well then where will you be it's like i told you i'll be in the back seat and they're like oh man this We're gonna is need gonna diagrams <laughs> but then it turns out that the execution is happening literally right now and so they're like oh my gosh we got to go. <laughs> I don't really understand how this, how these series of beats happen, but, uh, but it turns out that the execution is happening right now. And so he sees also that Zed and Mara are involved. And so he drives off and gets stuck in traffic and then has to take a detour. So I, it's amazing how much timing affects uh, tension and, and pace really plays a huge part in storytelling and, now I'm getting into writing myself. I'm very aware of that because yeah. sometimes I go, oh, well, that would be too coincidental if this happened and coincided with this other event or they only had to wait like a few minutes before this other thing happened. Going, yeah, because it's a freaking story. Because if you had to have characters just sitting around killing time, that's not fun. Yeah, that's one of my favorite moments in, uh, I guess, true romance when the fight is happening between Rosanna Arquette. There's an Arquette connection between uh, oh, yeah. Rosanna Arquette and Tony Soprano. They're having that big face-off in the hotel room, mm. that super graphic fight. And while that's happening, Christian Slater is talking to somebody in a restaurant saying, hey, <laughs> do you like Elvis? I love Elvis. You know, you should see this movie just doing small talk while like the fight of his girlfriend's life is that you're like, dude, oh my God, stop talking <laughs> about Elvis. Get in the car. And it's such a, it's a cool thing. But there's a friend of mine who writes scripts and he was saying that like, you can only have things work against the protagonist. If you want a coincidence to happen, it can never happen in the protagonist's favor. Yeah. You can you can put all kinds of obstacles in his way, but you can't have something work for him coincidentally because that somehow breaks the immersion, right? You know, you're like, "What?" So Yeah, it's funny how we have this bias towards negativity. Like if a horrible thing happens, oh well, yes, that's we expect that, but if something really good happens, like, oh, pff, what are the chances of that happening? Yeah, suddenly it's deus ex machina, it's lazy screenwriting, you know. But, I mean, sometimes that does happen, though. Sometimes things just go your way. So, that yeah, makes me I, wonder, like, how do you In my it? own Sorry. life, the, the negative things that have happened in my life tend to kind of be slow builds. You kind of know that they're happening. All the good things just come out of nowhere. It's like, oh, hey, everything's coming out Millhouse. Yeah, <laughs> right? I wonder how they made that work with a character like Domino, who's got luck powers, you know? I like oh, I yeah. like how they did that, because they, they kind of did it like when Harry Potter drinks the luck potion, 
Mm. in uh i don't know whatever movie or book six or whatever he just kind of like stands up and goes huh yeah i think i'm gonna go for a walk everybody's like we're in the middle of a murder investigation here we're trying to track down this specific person what are you talking about he's like no i feel like a stroll bye (laughs) like what's happening so like but because he takes a walk like all these weird random things happen that are super super lucky uh and they they end up revealing Really not exactly, I, I don't, not exactly sure where this all goes in Harry Potter, but I just, I remember the feeling of him taking the luck potion and doing something completely not what they were trying to do. And it ends up working out in their favor. And I guess it's like that. I like with Dom- that. Like with Domino's powers, right? Like she can't just go buy lottery tickets and get rich. It mm. doesn't work like that. I love right? probability powers because uh, Scarlet Witch has got that as well, where it's, yeah. You know, if there is an ultimate reality where this thing happens, she can kind of reach out and make that reality the one she exists in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Super cool. Right? Which they've never explained in the movies because I think they just go, how the hell, unless we have like freaking um, Christopher Lloyd come out with the whiteboard and <laughs> explain Well, I, they might do that in the TV show with the multiverse of madness. I would or, love no, that's the movie. <laughs> the Scarlet Witch TV show looks like it's going to have some pretty, pretty wild... I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it too. So anyway, the light cycles take off to tear the friends to pieces. And then they're all attached to winches that have about two minutes of rope wrapped up in them. So they start unspooling. So there's your ticking clock. They're going to, once those uh, spools get to zero, then everybody's going to end up in pieces. But uh, Beck flies into the arena driving down the stairs and the night splicer can't be too good for the transmission there guns it out onto the killing floor tesla's shocked and then just before he jump what does he do he 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 jumps over them whips his disc down to cut the cable and free them he only cuts one cable but now they're all free i thought they were uh there was three cables and i thought their wrists they probably should have done that (laughs) But there's this like one cable gets cut and suddenly they're not tied together anymore and they're free. So I'm like, okay, whatever. I guess you're. It moves run, really nicely. The choreography in this is just so slick. How he, yeah. you know, the the platforms tilting up. He gets everyone in the car just in time. He gets. It's very satisfying, even if it's it, not logical. It is super satisfying. So it gets everybody in the car. He's driving up out of nowhere. <laughs> who's who's got the uh, who's got the rocket launcher here? Is it Pavel? No, who's got... Someone's got the rocket launcher. Uh, it was Pavel, yeah. Starts shooting at them with this rocket launcher. And it destroys the plinth that they're on, which starts to tilt. This giant monolith starts to tilt. And so they start driving up the up the incline in the in the car. All of them sort of... Uh, Hopper and Zed and Mara all, all in the in the night splicer. And then... I don't uh, know why, but Pavel with that gun just looks so damn cool. I love it. So cool. And I love it. It like, makes no sense. Like, it, the, the rocket that comes out kind of just does a bit of a little loop-de-loop before it yeah. hits its target. Like, what, what is the point of this? <laughs> yeah. It's so beautiful, but you're like, that's... Is that a bug or a feature? How does that... How does that... <laughs> how does that work? And then, yeah, so they get away and they're all there. But just before... This is an important bit. Just before the renegade rescues them, Mara confesses to zed that zed is in fact her best friend on their deathbed Mm -hmm. she calls him a friend and then she says but sometimes sometimes i wish wish." and zed's like yeah 
Yeah, and then they get rescued, and, uh, and for the so, next few minutes, he's like, "But, but what? But what were we? What were we gonna? Hey, 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 hey! What were you gonna say? What were you gonna say?" <laughs> Do you remember? Hey, remember when we were tied up and gonna be executed? Yeah, yeah, it was fifteen minutes ago. Do you remember? Do you remember when you said <laughs> so? They uh, they get they get rescued. They kick Hopper out of the car because Hopper's like, "Hey, thanks for rescuing me." Wait a second, you're the renegade. Surrender, <laughs> and then they're like, "Get out." And, learning uh, nothing from the experience i guess no and then mara's having a great time mara's laughing her head off she's like "Woo, that was close i'm like you just about got executed in front of the entire city yeah this you know like, it's the endorphins of not dying i guess that makes sense this is uh, i mean this is kind of like when she wanted to go to the club in the beginning i was kind of like are you are you okay <laughs> you're, you should be like fetal and shuddering right now but she's I like i think Woo! mara has a lot of feelings that she buries way down deep <laughs> oh yeah definitely i think so uh and then out of nowhere beck is like well this is where we part and presses a button and the car splits into two bu- light bob sleds two 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 passenger bikes and uh i, I love guess that. that's I guess that's why it's called the splicer, the night splicer, I guess. You know, I'm trying to think, is Paige the only one who has normal, uh, or what we call, quote-unquote, normal human reactions to things? I think she is. It seems to be, yeah. She seems kind of more grounded than everybody else. She keeps her eyes open and she's thinking, but she's not being uh, over the top about too much. Mm. And then, uh, But then Zed's like, hey, yeah, do you remember that thing you said? And Mara's like, what? What thing? I don't know. What are you saying? I don't remember anything. <laughs> it never happened. Uh, it's fine. It's a, I never said yeah. yeah. And so that's uh, that's it for Zed's like, God darn it. You know. <laughs> and Beck rendezvous with Tron and he admits, you know what? You were right, Tron. It's kind of hard to take time off during a revolution. <laughs> it's like a sitcom ending it is maybe the real revolution was inside us all along there's something yeah laugh freeze frame credits yeah (laughs) yeah that's right maybe someday they'll start a revolution against us (laughs) starring bruce boxleitner yeah um it's a little animation details. Uh, I'm surprised that they didn't put any details under the car. When there's a shot that you're specifically looking at the bottom yeah. of the car, it's yeah. smooth. And I was I was a little bothered by that for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah, you'd think they would have nice thrown, like, I don't know, just some undercarriage, some workings in there. That would have been a nice, uh, that would have been a nice touch. But, you know, it's more detail. And maybe the, maybe the argument was made that sleeker and smoother is cooler. I don't know. But Probably. I'm with you. I would have liked to have seen some engine guts in there. Be they what they are. I'd like to see what they would have done with that. But that brings us up to the end of episode eight of Tron Uprising. A tidy little episode, which I do wonder about the fallout, though. Because uh, Zed... Like Hopper, I don't really care about. He's a he's a, a, a bad guy, so yeah, whatever. But Zed and Mara are just mechanics, and they've been brought in front of the entire city, charged with treason and almost executed. And yeah, they escaped. But the next episode is gonna probably just be them working at the garage again. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> so where's the lasting damage to their careers uh, from? I mean, you know, I like that the show mostly doesn't reset, but yeah, it does feel like they're 
plot line does reset a little bit after this because they yeah. everyone saw them although everyone seemed to enjoy the show like when the renegade showed up rescued zed mara and hopper and yeah the audio the, the crowd was going wild there's also the point that maybe tessa was like these three programs betrayed me and now they're gonna be executed like i don't know if he said this is zed mctavish you know mara anderson like i don't know if he like uh i don't know if their names were broadcast i think you might have just been like these three random programs that nobody mm. really got a good look at their faces that's what i'm gonna go with yeah this episode felt like well i mean it sounds bad to say it, a filler episode it didn't it's not totally tied in with the plot but it's still it's a good one it's a good fun one it really does end where it started you know there's there wasn't mm. too much of a i guess that's what it is right there's not too much of a furthering yeah it's sort of a, wow the next we've got a two-parter coming up whoa. some stuff goes down um stuff happens yeah definitely thank you for joining us for this episode of animatronic i've been duncan shields and i have been courtney colson and tune in next time for another episode of animatronic end, end of, of line, line.